Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, as many of you have probably heard before, uh, I think of myself as what I would call a holiday traditionalist. And I kind of came up with that term on my own. And so uh, what I mean by that, when I say that I'm I'm a holiday traditionalist, I basically like to celebrate holidays in the context of their seasons. I don't like it when things kind of overlap or intermingle. And and I guess um, the most clear explanation of that, and one you've all heard from me before, is that, you know, I don't listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Day after Thanksgiving, sure, yeah, we're right in it. But I like to let every holiday kind of have its own thing. And so for the past few weeks now, of course, I've been playing Christmas music a lot. However, uh, it has come to my attention that as I call myself a holiday traditionalist, there are some other names that I've uh, heard. Maybe, uh, especially perhaps from my wife, Lauren. See, she loves the holiday season. And, And interestingly, there are some exceptions that I have to my traditionalist rules. Last year, of course, I felt like we could all use a little bit more Christmas joy a little earlier, so we put up our Christmas tree in the middle of November. However, this year, we went back to tradition and put it up after Thanksgiving. And so there are some names that I've heard Lauren call me once or twice before because I say I'm a traditionalist. Lauren calls me the Grinch or Scrooge, as if somehow I don't like Christmas. So this morning, I wanted to start off by dispelling any thought that that I don't like Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas. I love this time of year. Honestly, how could you not love the time of year where one of the most common things that people give to one another are cookies? I mean, come on, I don't know if it gets better than that. What's not to love? Not to mention, of course, all of the songs and the carols, the decorations and the lights, the people who gather together. I mean, I love the Christmas season and, of course, this Advent season that we are in right now. And one of the things I love about it is the feeling of joy and jubilation and excitement that we have during this time of year. I mean, uh, as I shared at my, uh, my sermon in our jazz advent service this past week, there is a sense that during this time of year, people are a little bit more excited about things. People are a little more joyful, that you can kind of see the joy and upbeat sense that people have going on in their lives. We're all kind of excited about something. Uh, some of us may be excited about the time off that we're going to get from work at the end of the month. Others of us are excited about the fact that there's no school for a few weeks, and yes, that includes teachers and students. And I mean, even others of us are just excited because, well, it's Christmas. We get to gather together again. There are extra parties and celebrations that are going on. And when you think about it, considering the fact that we didn't get to do any of this last year, I think there's even more excitement and joy this time of year, this specific year. I mean, uh, just consider the fact that we didn't get to worship at all during the Advent season in person last year or the Christmas season. This right here, this gathering that we have together is a reason for excitement and celebration and joy. And maybe you even notice that throughout our service so far, in some of our readings and in some of our songs, you're hearing that word joy and rejoice. And that's because the third Sunday in Advent, the theme of that day is joy. It is literally rejoicing. In fact, uh, the historical context of the third Sunday in Advent is actually called Gaudetta, or uh, the Latin word for rejoice. And one of the ways that we often mark the third Sunday in Advent is, of course, by lighting the third candle, the pink candle. And so the pink candle represents this season of rejoicing, this day in which we are waiting for the birth of Jesus, but yet we are still filled with joy. Now, part of the reason that I share all of that with you this morning is to make sure that my sermon isn't too short. 
But uh, if you don't understand what I'm saying, you should go watch Pastor Mark's sermon from last week and it'll be a little bit more clear. But more importantly, I share this information with you this morning because I want to remind you that in the midst of this Advent season, in the midst of perhaps whatever you may be going through right now, in this season of waiting, I want you to hear God's promise to you this morning. God's promise is that he is near to you and that his peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, you heard those same words that Paul wrote in his letter to the people in Philippi this morning in the last verse. In verse seven, he says that exact same line. He repeats this promise to those people that God's peace is guarding their hearts and their minds. And when Paul says that, he means it quite literally, in fact that the peace is actually guarding their hearts and their minds. And so he uses uh, this, this word play that we wouldn't really understand in the English because guarding isn't exactly clear, but the word that his hearers would have heard in the Greek would have given them a very clear thing, something that they probably would have seen quite often in their lives. And so uh, this morning, I wanted to give you a little bit of a glimpse of what that would have looked like for Paul to use that word guard, that this is the image that may have come to the people's minds back then. So as you can see there, you've got this town kind of centered around this block, with this blockade around them. Now, uh, that is kind of called a garrison, those little houses on the outside of the wall there. They are protecting this town. Essentially, they are surrounded. They are completely guarded by this. And so, uh, interestingly, for the people in Philippi, here's what that would have meant. A professor of mine from seminary says it like this. Since Rome, since Philippi was a Roman colony, the people would have seen these kinds of garrisons and military walls up and around their cities. And a garrison is a place where soldiers who are not currently on duty are able to rest and know that they are being also securely guarded and watched. And so it's not difficult to imagine then that when Paul wrote these words, when he said that the peace of God guards his people's hearts, this is the kind of thing that he meant, that they are guarded, they are safe, and they are secure. A Roman garrison more or less provided a defense and an early warning system for the people in the colony. And so the result of that would have been military security that meant the soldiers were well-rested, ready to execute, and ready for any action. So when Paul illustrates that, when he used that word, this image, God's peace guarding the people's hearts and minds in Philippi, this was meant to bring them a sense of comfort, a sense of peace in the midst of all the stuff going on in their lives. And there was a lot of stuff that was plaguing the Philippian church at this time. See, remember, Paul's writing this letter, as far as we can tell, from when he was in jail, far away from those people, and yet he's still hearing about what's going on for them. One of the things, of course, is being that it was now a Roman colony, there were people who claimed that they were Roman-born and that they had a special place in society. But if you were not Roman-born, well then, you didn't have that place. You weren't seen as well-respected or perhaps well-loved because you couldn't claim Roman citizenship. So you've got this division between those who are of the city and those who are not. And then, of course, earlier in his letter, Paul talks about another division that was widespread in the Christian world between the Christians and some of the people who believed in the, the circumcision covenant, that unless you were circumcised on the eighth day, well, then you couldn't actually be a follower of Jesus. But Paul calls that out as well, saying, well, yes, it's okay to be circumcised, but even if you're not, it's still okay. That, that is not the flesh that we cling to. We cling to the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. 
So you have these two separate divisions going on in the midst of the Philippian world for all these people there. And then on top of that, of course, you have just the regular old enemies of the church, as Paul would call them. Uh, People, generally speaking, who didn't think the Messiah was the one who would die on the cross. And so they rejected Jesus and his crucifixion. That's not the Messiah that they believed in. And so their goal was to tear down the church, whatever it took at whatever cost. So you can imagine, it would probably only take one of these things to cause some division and problems in the midst of the church. And yet the people in Philippi are dealing with all three of them seemingly at the same time. It's probably hard to imagine that they were feeling any kind of peace or joy in their lives, that those things were seemingly too far away for them to experience. Now, what about you? Uh, Perhaps we don't experience those same kinds of things. We're not dealing with that same kind of tension. And yet, does peace seem far away for you this year? Uh, What about joy? Uh, What in your life is, is threatening to rob you of joy during this Advent season? Maybe it's work. Uh, maybe you're, you're so stressed out about your job and just kind of wondering if you're in the right place, if you're making an impact in the world. And maybe you find yourself questioning uh, what you're going to do each and every day. Maybe it's a diagnosis of, of an illness for a family member or perhaps even your own. Maybe, maybe you find yourself trying to be happy during this time of year, and yet everything in your life just seems to be going wrong. It's not the things that you want. It's not the way that you had it planned or mapped out, and so the worry and anxiety just seems to weigh you down. Maybe you're dealing in a season of anxiety or depression, and joy and peace are the farthest things away from you. Maybe you just have something going on that no one else around you knows. Something that you carry on your heart and mind, and perhaps only God knows. And that burden just just weighs you down. Whatever it is, whatever you may be holding on to, whatever you've brought with you into this place today, church, I want you to hear God's promise to you. That the Lord is near to you. He is near to you, and his peace guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That is God's promise to you. He's right there with you. That when peace and joy seem so far away, God changes that perspective for us and he says, I'm right here. The peace and the joy that I bring to you are right here. In the midst of anxiety or worry, do not worry, do not be afraid, for the Lord is near. And his peace guards your heart and your mind. It covers you wholly and completely. You know, I love the image that that Paul used when he talked about this guarding, this garrison, but I didn't think that was too familiar for us. And so this morning, I want to show you an image that kind of came to mind when I thought about this same sort of guarding that Paul is talking about, one that's more familiar to all of us here. This, of course, is the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. And this tomb is famous both in the country and all around the world for, of course, what it represents, but even more significantly, that it is guarded 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And I'm sure many of you have probably seen this before and maybe you've seen the changing of the guard which is an incredible ceremony or maybe you've just seen the guard moving back and forth. But what I recently learned is that every single movement that the guard makes 
is with purpose. Every single movement that you've ever seen perhaps happen has meaning. It's intentional. And the, the meaning, the, the thing that stuck out most to me, the movement that really struck me was this. When the guard executes a sharp shoulder arms movement to place his or her weapon on the shoulder closest to the visitors, as you can see in this photo from our perspective, this move is made significantly and specifically with the intention of signifying that he or she stands between the tomb and any possible threat. This kind of intentional movement, this kind of intentional guarding is so similar to what Paul's talking about today. That it's that same way that God guards our hearts with his peace. That nothing can break through this guard that God has put over us. He is watching it constantly, all of the time. God sets this peace in place in Jesus. And so the way that the peace of God guards our hearts is the same way that he covers us in his love. The peace of God covers our hearts in the same way that Jesus, with his blood, covers our sins. It is a whole, complete covering that he took upon the cross. It is all-encompassing, all of our sin covered. Therefore, all of God's peace covers our hearts. It's there all of the time at all circumstances. Nothing can break through it because Jesus is in the midst of it. That peace is the peace that God gives you, a peace that we can't fully fathom or completely understand. And yet that is how amazing God's peace is. It's transcendent. It cuts through time, space, and perhaps whatever we have going on in our lives to cover us, to guard us, to bring us comfort. It cannot be broken. It cannot be shaken. This is the peace that God has placed in your heart. This is the peace that God covers you with each and every day. And with that guard of peace placed firmly in our hearts, God then invites us to see a different perspective in our lives. The words that we heard at the first part of verse four of chapter four today from St. Paul, God invites us to rejoice always. Again, he says rejoice. Rejoice always and in always. Not because things are always good, and not because we're, we're always going to be happy, but rather because we're operating from a place where our peace is being guarded, where God is watching over us at every moment of the day, where his love is poured out of us at all times. And so no longer do we see things from this world where, where things go wrong and it changes us, but rather we see that even in the midst of our heartbreak, even in the midst of our sorrow, God's peace goes with us. And from that peace, then, we see the joy that comes through this new life in Jesus. The joy of the promises of what awaits us one day. And the reality that God is keeping his promise right here and right now. That the Lord is near. He is near to each and every one of you. His peace guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so nothing can rob you of that great joy. Nothing can rob you of that peace. In just 12 days from now, we will again celebrate how God keeps his promises. 
We will let our joy out in word, in song, in carol, in celebration and conversation with one another. Because God is coming near again. We celebrate that in the reminder and knowing that God promises that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus now and forever. And may that peace fill you with joy because Jesus is coming near. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.